morning. Um, as the service started, I, um, I was just like getting my heart ready to hear from God. And I saw this picture of a bunch of people being the church. And we were all so hungry to have God's law written on our hearts and to walk in righteousness. And I got this picture of the process of paper and how paper gets made. And I saw it right from the beginning where the tree gets chopped down and the hardwood gets turned into like pulp and the pulp gets purified. I mean, I don't know all the technical (laughs) terms, but um, just the whole process. And in the end, there's this pure white sheet of paper. And I saw this hand starting to write on the piece of paper and I almost felt like we've got this desire to to walk in truth and to walk in righteousness and to walk in purity. But I felt God say, you need to prepare your heart to become softened and, and purified so that I can write my law on your heart, that it can be permanently etched there where you want it to be. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> that's the word I got. Thanks, Jackie. Um, so this morning, just uh, getting ready for church, I just felt this drop into my spirit. Um, I mean, we saw incredible um, teachings yesterday, and I mean, we were so on par with um, prophesying, like what the Lord was saying, all of those kind of things. And and I love, I mean, we love the gifts. I mean, they build up the body. Um, but I felt like the Lord um, just impart into my heart this morning that love is the greatest gift. Um, and and I just want to read the uh, 1 Corinthians 13. And I know it's a bit long, but I think it's like important for us to just like let these words resonate in our hearts. It says, If I speak in the tongues of men and, and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burnt but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And uh, and I felt like God went, uh, like say, we need to, Um, We need to use that gift. We need to, each one of us that have been saved, have received the gift of salvation. We've received God's love into our hearts. And uh, and I felt God say we really need to um, take ownership of that gift. You know, not the gift of faith of laying on hands as much. And, you know, you can have all of that, but if you have love, I mean, if you don't have love, you don't have anything. So, yeah, let's just love on each other. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Donna. Good morning, guys. Um, 
I can't even share with the pulpa thing anymore. We used to the beach now, so nothing in front of us. Um, so yeah, so this morning I've just been trying to hear what the Lord's saying through the words that's been coming, through the worship. You know, the, the, the thing of uh, a vessel, let us be a vessel of His love. Let us be a, fount- there's a, uh, a fountain of His grace. Uh, the righteousness of God written on our hearts, if our hearts are prepared. That thing of being ready as a bride, of stepping out. Uh, when I came early on also, a bit of legalism stuff here with Josh. Hey, Josh, eh? <laughs> But there's all these things that the Lord's been um, saying this morning. And I've just been trying, grappling like, Lord, what do you want to say? And um, so I'm going to try to, I think in the past few weeks we've been sharing a lot of the words has been about our works, what we do. So it's been about the gifts that we carry, about using our gifts. It's about our works being tested in fire. It's been about, like Lucas shared last week about uh, the YouTube videos and what, and it can easily become a place of, here's the, uh, a set of rules that we need to follow. And we can easily sling to a place of, uh, swing to a place of works. Like, I need to do all these things, I need to tick these boxes. Not seeing that, like, look at this thing, what he shared from us, he spent time with the Lord. And there was a conviction by the Spirit of God to say, these are the things I want you to look at. You are Spirit-led. And I don't think, I don't want us to shift from works, I mean, from being Spirit-led to works. Like, even now this morning, right? I don't know how long we're going to share for, but I know the guys are coming at 10. I don't know what all I'm going to share on. Because I'm really trying to hear, Lord, what, are you, what, do you want to share, what do you want to share? What do you... And so it's not always... You know, you can choose to be prepared, extra prepared, and be smooth, and be... Or you can try to find the Lord, and, and it'll be a bit rough. But if you can hear what the Lord is saying to us in the different parts of it. So I want to say that word that Jackie brought about having your hearts prepared. Can your hearts be open? Can you have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive what the Spirit of God wants to do this morning. Let that be our posture. And I'm going to go through this up quick because I really believe the Lord wants to break this thing of works. He wants us to swing. He wants us to know that it must have its rightful place. You know, we all have all these things, faith, works, grace, the law. Where does all these things stand? And I think the Lord wants to bring clarity to us so we know how to walk in these things. And if, you str- if you're struggling with that, because I know all of us to a measure will struggle with this thing. John Wesley, who founded the Methodist Church, he launched many, many churches, preachers, affected thousands upon thousands, generation upon generation of people. He struggled with this. He had ministry. And only he was one day on a ship in America. He was on a ship with a bunch of Moravian missionaries. And the, when he saw them, what he saw in them as the ship was about to crash and their peace and who they, who they looked to, I taught him something about the grace of God. And I believe that if a missionary, someone that had such an impact on the kingdom, he struggled with this very thing that we're going to share on this morning until the Lord showed him on a ship traveling with a bunch of Moravian missionaries. And I'm going to end with that story later on. As we share, we need to understand these things. And now, the starting point is, we are saved by grace, through 
faith in Christ. So it's in grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We can never forget that. It's not by works. We Everything needs to have its right order. And, and the simple things, what is faith? What we believe. What is works? What we do. What is grace? Most, I was about to say, most people will say undeserving favor. And that's right. But you know the root meaning of grace is beauty? It's the beauty that God bestows upon us. You know, when we respond to someone in grace, we respond with beauty. When we can't respond hard, no, we, we choose to respond with beauty. But the key thing is undeserved. The person doesn't deserve it. But yet we respond with beauty. So now, I'm going to share on the righteousness by faith, not by works. In Romans 4, 4 to 5, and faith, I don't expect you to put on the scriptures. Faith asked me this morning, what scriptures? I said, I don't know, we're going to see, we're going to put a priest together in the worship. So I don't know what scriptures, I don't know, but I put it together as we went. So faith, we're going to see how fast you can go. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. Whoever, however, to the one who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. Jackie shared about the righteousness of God. How do we get it? It says that if we work for it, then it's not grace. Then it's not a gift. If in our hearts we think we have to work for the righteousness of God, if we have to earn it, then it's not God. Because God said His word says it's a gift. There's something he gives us. So it says that if we had to work for it, we deserve it. We earned it. But we can't earn it. It says if you want the grace of God, stop working. You don't start out of a place of working. He says it's a work of God. And it says that we are the ungodly. But if we trust in him, he bestows his righteousness upon us. And I'm just going through stuff to show us that we cannot work for it. Um, Romans 11, 6 says, and, by, and if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. For if it were, if it were, grace would no longer be grace. See, if it is a fountain of grace that we receive poured onto us, then it cannot be works because by its definition, we cannot work, work for it. The moment we work for it, it's, lost, it's, it's not grace. Because by its definition, grace is undeserved. If we deserve it, it's not grace. And why is it not? You know when it says by, through, um, we save by grace, through faith, in Christ. But there's nothing where we can boast there. Even the faith, it says it's a gift of God. There's nothing we can boast in. Nothing. It's all God. The only thing we can maybe hold on to is that we made a choice. That we chose life. But even in that, I remember when I got saved and I remember, I'm sure most of us here will remember when we got saved, there was a thing in us that compelled us to put our hand up. Compelled us to step out. We didn't understand it, but it was the Spirit of God working in us. Putting faith in us to step out. We're like putting boldness in us. 
We can't even boast in that. It's all God. Because the moment we think it's something of us, it's something we did. And you know why? Religious, religion tells you you need to earn it. It tells you you need to follow these steps. You need to do these things to earn it. And the moment you need to follow a bunch of rules, a bunch of steps, it becomes you. You know the Pharisees in the Bible and the said you see all those guys, they were high level, special trained SWAT ops Jews. They were special Jews. They came and they said, well, here's the normal Jew, but I want to be better than a normal Jew. I want to be at another level. So I'm going to have stricter rules. And then the next Barak came and said, the Sadducees said, now we're going to also have our own rules and we're going to be better than you. You see, what does religion do? What does following rules do? You keep on adding rules to make yourself look better. That's what rules are. It'll stir up pride in you. Any religion of works is about you and it'll stir up pride in you. Because the Pharisees were, look at us. And the way of the kingdom can never be look at us as look at God. We lay low. It can never be works. I wrote this stuff jumbled up this morning, so I'm just trying to. Thank you, Patrick. So the order is important, right? I'm not saying we throw out works, but you must understand the works. So if I, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's just after, through faith. I mean, by grace, through faith in Christ. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works. So when do we get to do good works? When we created in Christ Jesus. When we are a new creation. We can only do good works if we are a new creation. We can only do good works if we come before God. And we say, Lord, save me. Make us new. There is nothing you can do before you are saved that can earn salvation. But we need to understand, but once we are saved, there is good works laid before us. There is work to do. But it can never start from that place. Now the theme of Romans. The general theme of Romans is righteousness. The righteousness of God. That's why I love that word from Jackie. You know, Job cried out, Lord, how can we be righteous before you? You know, when he cried that out, uh, his friends, or I don't know who they were, but it says that it was his friends, that they ridiculed him. That they said, how can you be righteous before God? And you know, hundreds of years later in Romans, Paul answered it. The Spirit of God answered that question. In Romans 3.20, and I don't know if faith is keeping up with me. Romans 3.20, it says, Therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. No one will be declared righteous by works. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. So what does the law do? The law shines a light on our sin. The law is a mirror that says, this is what we're doing. The law cannot save you. You cannot work towards the law to get saved. It highlights it. It convicts. But it can never save us. The grace of God that saves 
And what if we try to keep it? So James 2.10, faith are we rolling, are rolling? James 2.10. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Let me just say, we think we work in percentages. I'm doing better than that one. I'm at 70%. I'm at 80%. I'm at 40%, but there's someone at 30%. You know, can I tell you, if you're keeping 99% of the laws of God, you are still failing. Because you keep them all, or you keep nothing at all. That is what James says. None of us here can keep all the law all the time. None of us can keep some of the law all of the time. Are you seeing that the law cannot save you? That works cannot save you. Romans 6.14 says, For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Can I say that if you are trying, you are striving, you are trying to fulfill laws and rules, sin is your master. But if you're under the grace of God, there is freedom. And I'm going to go deeper into that. Romans 8.14 For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So we don't follow rules. We are led by the Spirit of God. And we need to understand this. We need to understand this. There's, there's a shift when you come into the kingdom. There's a shift from following rules and laws to being led by the Spirit. Because you know what? The more rules they are to follow. Think of religions that is hectic. I'm not going to mention them. Think of religions with a lot of things to do. I come from an Indian background, a Hindu background. And I've seen there's a lot of things to do. A lot of stuff to prepare. A lot of things to do in the morning, in the night. In the... Do you know the more rules there are, the more pride is stirred up in us? Speak to someone that's religious whatever religion, and see when they speak about all the things they do. I pray 10 times a day. There's a bit of pride in there. There's a thing of, look what I'm doing. Works will stir up pride in you. The grace of God will humble you because you know it's not you. So Galatians 5, okay, I did that one. Okay, Galatians 5, 18 says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. What does that mean? If you're under the law, you are not led by the Spirit. You can't do both. You're either Spirit-led or you're law-led. You can't be. And I think we're in a time, and I think most Christians and all of us struggle with this. John Wesley struggled with this, a man that planted churches. A lot of us is in this middle ground of, there's a little bit of law we need to follow, a little bit of grace. We mix it all up and we find some. We don't make a poichi. We don't mix this thing as, as one or the other. We can't try to have a little bit of both. It's the grace of God, it's being spirit-led, or it's the law of God. We choose. Romans 7, 4 says, So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ. Why do we have to die to the law? What was Paul saying? No, the Jews were married, were in union with the law. 
they were one with the law. And they felt that if they stopped following the law, if they stopped trying to follow the law, they, it was like committing adultery. But Paul says that the law was put to death in us through Christ. It wasn't a, that thing that we had to be, you have union with was put to death, it died. That you might belong to another. So let me read it fully again. So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might be fruit for God. And we say if we die, if the law dies to us, we can form a union, we can be united with Christ. But unless the law dies, we can never be united with Christ. We can only be united with one. And once the Lord dies and we're united with Christ and we are His, then we can bear fruit. And it depends what fruit do you want to bear. Unions, when there's a union, fruit comes forth. What fruit do you want to bear? Romans 7, 5 to 6 says, For when we're in a realm of the flesh, a sinful passion aroused by the law, we're at work in us, so that we will bear fruit for death. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, a sinful passions aroused by the law, aroused by the law, were at work in us, so that we bore fruit of for death. So if we're linked with the law, if we're in union with the law still, it's fruit to death. We're going to try to do stuff. We're going to see what fruit we can bring, what our good works can do, and it's going to die. It will not last. It will not pass the test. It is fruit into death. But now by dying... To what once bound us. The law bound us. We have been released from the law. So that we serve in the new way of the spirit. And not in the old way. Of the written code. Do you see it? Do you see that? I'm just. I'm showing that we cannot. Be tied up. Be trying to follow laws. Because if we are. We're saying. See, if we can achieve righteousness through the law, we didn't need Christ. We didn't need Christ. He didn't need to die. They are mutually exclusive. You can't have a little bit of law and a little bit of grace and a little... It's all God. But you see that thing that says aroused by the law, like sinful passions aroused by the law. You know, Paul's not saying the issue is with the law. He actually later on says the, the law is perfect. But it's our flesh that is weak. It actually says our flesh has weakened the law. That's our response to the law. 1 Corinthians 5, 15, 56 to 57. 1 Corinthians 15, 56 to 57. Faith, let's roll. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The power of sin is the law. Sins to the passions. All it's saying is the law is a standard of God that we can never attain. We'll always be in bondage. It's only through Jesus. Do we get the choice? Do we get that it's the grace of God, it's God, or it's the law? The law needs to be put to death. Because you know what? The law will draw us towards self-reliance and independence. 
You know, we are people that want to be independent. They want to rely on ourselves. We are people that want, give me a set of rules that I can follow and I can do it. But actually, we are people that need to be dependent on God. We need to be like, Lord, I don't know. Lord, I come before you. Lord, I need you. Our cry needs to be, Lord, I need you. It can't be, Lord, give me some rules so I can do it my way. What happened in the Garden of Eden? What did the devil say? You can be like God. But that wasn't the heart of the issue. The issue is they wanted to be like God so that they could be independent of God. Lord, I can, I, if I get the knowledge of the tree, if I can depend, if that thing can give me something to be like God, I do not need God anymore. I can be independent. They were looking for independence. They were looking, and we as a people, the human race, that's the crux of sin. That we want to be a people that there's this God that made this universe, that made this world, that loves us. But we don't want to rely on Him. We want to do it our way. We want to say, Lord, I want to do it my way. Just give me the tools to do it. And He doesn't want to give you the tools. He wants to give you Himself. Because it's only in Him that we find life. Romans 10, 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. If you want righteousness, you find it in Christ. The old way has passed. There is no righteousness found in the law. It is be- Christ has ended it. Now I talk a bit about legalism. Thank you, Josh. Now Josh isn't there's no legalism in Josh, but he highlighted this in a discussion we had. So this is in here because of him. So when, and this is what I told him this morning, when Jesus, I mean when Paul wrote to the church of Galatians, what was the primary problem in Galatians, to, in the Galatian church? Legalism. Legalism. They were moving away from the spirit to the flesh. They were moving away from the Spirit of God, the grace of God, to following rules and laws. And you know, in all the letters, most of the letters that Paul writes to the churches, he puts it in a love, in a love sandwich. Do you know that? He starts off and he's like the first slice of love. Oh, this, to this church, you are doing so well in this, in this, in this. And then he comes to the Poloni. Here is the problem. Here is the problem. And then he ends with, but I pray for you and may you do well. And so most of the letters is a love sandwich. But to the church in Galatia, to the Galatian church, this issue is so serious. He doesn't waste time with a love sandwich. He goes straight into the thing. He attacks the thing directly, legalism. Now even the Corinthian church where there was a brass sleeping with his father's wife, where they were drinking at the, uh, drinking at the altar, even them, he gave a love sandwich. But for the Galatian church, no love sandwich. You know why it was so serious? It's not that drunkenness and um, debauchery, all those things, is not of concern to God, was not concerning to Him. But those are obvious things. You know, those are obvious things to deal with. We can easily find the deal with those things. You know what's hard to deal with? Legalism in the heart. When your heart is hard, when your heart is critical, but it's hidden. You say the right things, you do the right things, but it's a hardness of heart. And that's why he, he went to it quickly. That's why he didn't waste time. Because he recognized the danger. And church, can I say there's a danger 
if legalism and rules creep into your heart, your heart will be hardened because the grace of God cannot abide in there. That's why again that word from Jackie, have your heart ready for God to write his word on it, to write his righteousness on it. In Galatians 1, 6 to 7. I'm astonished. This is what he's saying to the church in Galatians. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are running to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. What is the new gospel? What was the different gospel? Falling laws. Saying you started out in grace. Church, when I came to you, Paul is saying, when I came to you, I spoke about Christ, the grace of God, and that's where you found life. But now you are starting to go back to, you are starting to find a new gospel, a gospel of works. And that is no gospel at all, because there is no salvation in it. In Galatians 3, 1 to 4, it says, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? The devil, but okay. Who has bewitched you? Before your eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like you to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? Did you work for the Spirit of God? Or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? What he's telling them is, why are you trying to go back to works? You found the Spirit of God through believing in Him, by receiving His grace. Why would you go back to works? You started in the Spirit. If righteousness was going to be worked in you through the Spirit of God, why would you go to works where there is no life? And later on in Galatians 3.10 it says, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. And this is where he quotes the Old Testament. As it is written, Curse is the one who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Curse because nobody can keep the whole law. You are cursed if you can't keep the whole law. Who can keep the whole law? Nobody. So if you are trying to build a religion of works, if you are trying to find righteousness in works, you are cursed. Quickly. It doesn't mean we don't be holy. We are still called to be holy. In Leviticus... What does it say? Be holy. But after giving a list of rules of what you can eat, what you can't eat, how you should behave, how you should... If you do all of these things, all the vertical laws, then be holy. In 1 Peter, we are again called to be holy, but there's no list of things. It says be holy and let Christ do a work in you. There's nothing you can do. There's no rules you can follow. Then the Old Testament was, here's all the rules. Try and be holy. In the New Testament... Jesus says, you are holy, because I make you holy. So, where does this all come? Where am I trying to get to? I'm trying to divide this thing. I'm trying to show that there is, we don't start out in works. But once we receive Christ, once we receive His grace, there is work. Once we become a new creation, there is works for us. And how does that works look? One, we need to be spirit-led. There's nothing we need to figure out. Once you get saved, it's like, okay, give me the 30 things I need to do. And it could be, there is stuff you need to learn and read your word and grow in God and, and learn how to follow the Spirit. But you need to be Spirit-led. You need to find 
God. You need to have intimacy with Him. Right? But there's another thing you can do. If you're not sure what to do, there's a place, there's a command that the Lord brought. And it's four letters. What do you think the one command is that still stands? One word, four letters, not sentences. I hear sentences. Love. What did Jesus say? When I brought, when I brought all the, um, when the one lawyer asked him, no, I saw all the laws and how do we fulfill? And he said, love the Lord your God with everything and love your neighbor. Jesus collapsed the law into one. Love. And he went beyond the law. You know, we're talking about the law here. Yeah, the law is impossible. That we can't keep it all. We can't. But Jesus went beyond the law. The law was justice. The law was love your neighbor but hate your enemy. The law was if someone takes your eye, you take their eye. Justice. But Jesus came and said grace. He said, love your enemy. Because I've given you grace. Because I've bestowed my beauty on you. You respond with beauty. You respond with grace. You love it. It's a higher calling. It's not a lower calling. Isn't it amazing that we cannot hold a lower calling of law, but in Christ, through His grace, through what He does, we are called to a higher. Our calling is higher. We're running out of time. I see Patrick looking at his watch. Romans 13, 8 to 10. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. We don't owe nothing. We don't need to earn anything besides loving one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. If you love, you fulfill the law. The command, you shall not you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. If you do want to fulfill the law, if you do want to hold the law, Jesus said, I give you a new commandment. Love. Galatians 5.14 says, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Galatians 5, 6 says, for, Christ in Jesus, for in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You know where it says, faith without works is dead? Faith without love is dead. You can have faith, but if there's no love in you, it's dead faith. So what are we trying to produce then? So we want to be a people that are spirit-led and ra- love is rooted in us. Right? Where love is, everything we do is manifested out of love. Like, whatever we do now, there is works laid before us. It must be rooted in love. It must be out of love that we do it. Because that is the one command. It can't be out of, oh, this one said I need to do that. Lucas said I must stop watching YouTube. Joe said I must start it needs to be rooted in love. Whatever we do. And in 1 Timothy 1, 5 to 6, this is uh, Paul talking to Timothy and he says, Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith, from which some have strayed, having turned aside to idle talk. 
Can I say that? What are we trying to grow here? When you're coming to church, when we're fellowshipping, when we're coming together, in terms of our works, we're trying to grow in love. When we're sharing our struggles, there's a lack of love. And we're saying, Lord, we need more love. And what Paul says to Timothy is, if you're sharing and the people's not changing, if you don't see an increase in love in the people, it is idle talk. What I'm doing right now is idle talk to you if you are not increasing in love. It's idle talk. Can you grab that? that then you're just getting fat. You're receiving all these things and it's not changing you. There's, you can't recognize there is an increase of love in you. Forget about works. Forget about I need to achieve all these things. But is there a soft heart? Is there a way you respond to people, to situations? Is it soft? Is it wrapped in? Is it rooted in love? Is it a manifestation of love? Because if it isn't, then this year is idle talk to you. And Jesus says that if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So Jesus doesn't want you to follow him through fear, to keep his commandments through fear, to keep his commandment of love through fear, but through love itself. Almost landing, Patrick. I just want to say that love is a progression. We're all growing in it, step by step. You, in the week, you probably tell someone, you probably tune someone something, or you responded wrong in something. It's okay. Because love is a progression. Right? Remember when Jesus told Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter said, I'll never. But Jesus' response to him was, I pray, let me just read it that verse quickly. Peter, I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Can I say that we can mess up? We're not perfect. All of us, we all mess up. We're not perfect. We respond incorrectly, but there must be an increase of love. Because Jesus' prayer isn't, oh, you have messed up, you have denied me, you are not mine anymore. His prayer is that your faith will not fail, that you won't stop believing in Him, that as you fall, you will not feel condemned, but you'll be convicted to move, move forward in Him. That you won't be condemned, but your faith will not fail, that the enemy will not come and say, you are not worthy. But you hold on to your faith and say, Lord, I am not worthy, but I need you because you are worthy. That is our response. Jesus' prayer for us is, even when we mess up, we continue on our faith will not fail because he will complete his work. And I have a whole lot of examples of love which you're not going to get to. But just John Wesley. So he was a minister. I mean, he was famous already. He was in England. He was on a ship with Moravians. And as the ship was about to crash, sink, everyone... All his people were panicking. And this Moravian, they were just loving each other. They were praying. They were at peace. And he saw something he didn't have. And he realized that he was following laws. He was trying to make it happen. He was trying to put together things that could make him feel good. And he realized that he didn't have the grace of God. And then he started doing things that were spirit-led. One of the things he did was open-air preaching which reached thousands upon thousands of people. Back in the day, no one wanted to do open-air preaching because it was frowned upon. That is not the done thing. That is embarrassing. And the Lord spoke to him about it before, but when he realized that he was following the rules, 
When he was spirit led, he was, I don't care. He, was, he said he was like David. That says, I will be even more undignified than this. I do not care what man says. I do not care about man's opinions. And that thing of open air preaching, he reached thousands upon thousands, generation upon generation. When he died, it says he had nothing. He was so generous. He just left his clergy, uh, his preaching jacket, some books, and the Methodist church, which was a few thousand preachers, a couple of hundred thousand people that were saved in that time, and it grew over years. And Patrick, I'm landing. This is the end. I want to share one example of love, Paul. So Paul was the Pharisee of Pharisees. What does a Pharisee mean? The separated one, the lifted up one. I, I'm above everyone else. So Paul was the Pharisee of Pharisee when he was Saul. And in Corinthians it says, Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, nor will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. So this is Paul talking to the Corinthian church. He said, you are like some of those people. Amongst you is these things. Right? Now he was a Pharisee that he could, they couldn't even uh, be with other Jews that was below them. They didn't want to be in their presence. If they're walking across the road, they go on the other side. They don't even touch other people that were holy into their eyes, but not holy enough. But when Paul received the spirit of grace, this is his response. This is what he tells him. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. So Paul went to, I can't touch those below me. Two, you were adulterers, you were all these sin, but I go towards, I make myself a, a slave to sinners so that I may win you for Christ. And that's not the law. That is the work of God. Now I see I've got another half a page of stuff there, but we are out of time. So we'll do a part two in a couple of months' time. But I just want to say that as we learn now, that this thing of love, it does model to us. Now why did Jesus come? For God so loved the world. What does it say in another place? That whilst we were sinners, whilst we were his enemies, God loved us first and sent his son. This thing that we call to love, we are following someone. We, a king is reigning over us. Today is a love that is greater. A love that we have received. And I think earlier Patrick said there's no visitors here. But I want to say, with all eyes closed and head bowed, If there's anyone here this morning that has never given their heart to the Lord, that has never said, Lord, I need your grace. Lord, I'm tired of trying to work towards things. Lord, I'm tired of messing up. But Lord, I need you. And you might have said a sinner's prayer or given your heart years ago, months ago. But right now you know that it is a thing of, Lord, I want to give you my life again. If there's anyone like that here, Lord, I need your grace. Can you lift your hand up, please? Anyone? 
Okay. And then I want to say, for all of us here, actually, let me pray. Can everyone stand up? Because I want to pray for all of us. Lord, I pray for each and every one of us here this morning, Lord. That as your word went out, Lord, that your spirit spoke what I need to speak into individual hearts, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, we do us any, everything of works, of the law, of earning, of feeling unworthy. Lord, I pray that your spirit spoke, Lord. That there is nothing we do, Lord. There is nothing we earn. There is nothing of worth in us, Lord. That we bring dirty rags, Lord. But in you, Lord, our heart will be, Lord, we want more of you. We want to be a spirit-led people, Lord. We want to follow you. We want to be in your presence. We want you to come and change us, to come and write in our hearts, come and bestow righteousness on us, Lord. Let your grace come and be poured over us, Lord. That we may be gracious to others, Lord. Lord, come and do a mighty, mighty work in each and every one of us, Lord. Come and shift where you need to shift, Lord. Where is anything of works that you will destroy it, Lord? Anything of the law, anything of earning and achieving, anything of pride, anything of we can do it, anything of self-reliance and independence, that you'll come, Lord, and you'll break it by your spirit, Lord. And our hearts will be, Lord, that we need you. Our cry will become Holy Spirit and have your way. We need you. So, Lord, this morning come by your spirit, Lord, and soften hearts, Lord. And surrender us, Lord. Let us be surrendered to you. That you may do your work, Lord. That you may bring your freedom. That we are free from the law. And we have freedom in you, Lord. We have the spirit of liberty, Lord. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, the spirit of liberty, Lord. That the liberty that comes is through love. Because all of us, when our motive is love, Lord. When our motive is love, we are free. There is no one as free as one whose motive is love. Because when our motive is love, Lord, the response can be hard. The response can be what we not, do not want. But we can still hold on to love. So, Lord, I pray that for us this morning, Lord. That we will be a spirit-led people. That everything will be, we do will be rooted in love. Our response to situations will be rooted in love. That we will shine your grace, your beauty. Because of, not because of what we're doing, Lord. Because of what you're doing in us. Come, Holy Spirit, and make us new. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen.